Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Please go to tacticalpermaculture.com to read my blog, watch my videos, view my photos, access web applications, and click on the join membership link to access exclusive features. It's July 10th, 2023, episode number 70. I had this uh, topic in mind for a while now, and the timing for when to verbalize it and make it into a show just happens to align with this very random moment that occurred for me this evening just about an hour ago, which was to... Uh, I can, Now, I'm usually good about remembering things like this, but for, for the life of me now, I can't remember what sequence of of uh, thought process stepping stones led to me having just this this inquiry in my mind which was what happened to person x who is a who is a mentor of mine who also has been doing well, has been doing a podcast for many years and who I have been um, a, uh, I wouldn't say a friend or acquaintance, but I've been, a, I've been, I've been engaged within, within his sphere spanning a, at least a couple of different shows, his own show and one that he's been a, a frequent, appeared on frequently, um, and so he's, yeah, been one of my favorite mentors. And without having a personal relationship with me as a fan, he's engaged with me. Um, and that, uh, it's just, a, it's just, it's not, it's, um, the endearment that you have for someone who, uh, isn't just a talking head or a talking speaker. You know, they, they took the time to read your questions and answer them on multiple occasions. You feel just ever so slightly more appreciative and, and connected. And uh, so, oh, probably of all of the people who I consider mentors to me and my journey, people who would 
in many ways, like myself, probably prefer just to live a private life, but have a, 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 a fire and a passion inside of them to take what they've studied and learned, discovered and worked on, ways that they've helped themselves and helped other people and want to at least archive that and share it and whatnot. So whether that's writing books or doing interviews or whatnot, often it's often even even as yeah as authors as podcast hosts we're not making the most money in the world so a lot of, a lot of times if it's not a if it's not a a out of pocket expense with no covering of any of the overhead it's not it's not going to be much it's not going to itself be um, an easy path to selling out for a lot of us and uh, yeah there's those of us who who um, just try to promote our own our own wares rather than having a lot of really awkward and 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 jagged and and just totally out of context advertisements coming out of nowhere um i mean if i'm not saying i will never do that i'm saying i hope i never do that <laughs> i hope i can be more like him where 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 his way of giving back was that his other product lines his other offerings his other services were mutually uh, benefited by him giving back in the form of a free show and that by the show being a, 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 a way to also guide and direct people to his other offerings, it, it all worked out. So I'm looking at that as a business model and have been for a long time of just hoping that. And with various degrees of success in the past, and now with this relatively new endeavor, his business model is the one that is the most, to me, ethical and the most sound, where there's the least cringe factor of feeling like you're selling out to advertisers. And I would aspire to be as as much of a very practical and wholesome, small-scale influencer to where the work that he does building his own life creates a an auxiliary uh, beneficial side effect side product which is that it it it, it becomes um, doing the projects you want to do become the subject matter that you write a blog about you take pictures of and that rolls into an ebook and maybe a printed book and then maybe you end up actually if not necessarily patenting or trademarking things i don't know what his story was with that per se but for me i'm more of an open source kind of appropriate technology software open source all that kind of good stuff but um <laughs> 
if you if you live simply so that others may simply live as it were you don't have too much overhead you can have your your needs met and really be free and be financially secure and abundant with low overhead and then thus the ability to be very honest and very uncensored and bow to no master of any kind of um, sponsor and not really be worried about cancellation or offending anyone because you have your loyal fans and they understand and appreciate your sincerity, your authenticity and whether they agree 100% or not, which I do not agree 100% with everything that this this fellow would say, but but I I will be the first to admit that his forthrightness and sincerity was potent enough to help me break free from some cultish or groupthink or ideological uh, constraints that I had just taken as a given being indoctrinated by where I came from in my socialization within the left, so-called left. So the things that I would disagree with him about were also my growth edge and the things that I needed to learn and hear the most uncomfortable things about in order to, yeah, hear from someone who is not offending me or, 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 or causing me to feel like there's a, a harsh disagreement internally with what he's saying because it's not coming from a closed-minded, small-minded bigot. It may just be someone, let's say, uh, with the perspective of someone who's been in law enforcement, who's been in the military, who's been in the federal government even. And um, I've mentioned him before. I just don't feel like... I don't. I feel like I don't want to indulge myself in making this a memorial episode attributed to him because I, I'm not doing it justice. If I were to do that, I would do it a lot more in a lot more diligent manner. I want to speak more broadly, but I do want to say that I'm, I, I'm, I'm attempting to imbue the qualities that will no longer be refreshed by his creating new material, and I will, for myself, internally and for, forever after because I cherish his influence on me so much without deifying him or trying to say that in any way, shape, or form I'm a, a student in his lineage or anything. I will just say that there's some general wisdom that was imparted to me through his works that I'm going to do my best to carry on. And um, if and when it's appropriate, I will... I will invoke his name, um, but I definitely feel like I need to. Well, there was a. There, now it's been, um, yeah, more than half a year since his show kind of abruptly ended, and he was uh, so cynical, yet constructively cynical. But so, I even was one of the people that 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 that. Um, chimed in when he threatened to to quit his show because of how upset he was about just losing faith in humanity after all the work that he tries to do and 
I don't even want to go into it because even just saying that, it sounds like, well, he was having a moment of reckoning whether there's whether all the hard work he, he gives of himself is even being fully appreciated. And I understand that. Um, but I don't want it to sound at all like he was, uh, he was weak-minded because of that. Because I know it, and I, I know I, I, I said to him in an email exactly what I would want to hear if I if I had that that cycle, which eventually I did in my previous show. But he he kind of publicly questioned whether or not he thought he would continue with the show, and I was. You know, I, I I dug deep in my heart to think of the most um, impactful words I could use to be one of the many people who would flood his inbox saying, like, we really appreciate you and we really are moved by your work and it will be a big hole in our heart for you to not continue. I mean, that will, that's not verbatim what I said. I said words that were more specific to to him and what I think his language is he yeah not crediting myself but luckily I was reassured because he said oh I just I just needed to get basically I just needed to get through those those feelings I'm not going anywhere I'm maybe changing a few things but yeah, he proceeded, and then I had no no concern that he didn't have the uh, the passion to continue. And I don't know; I can't remember now how long it was between uh, that exchange by email. Again, him not really knowing me of being anything other than a fan who's you know been engaged but yeah I don't know how much time went between that conver- that email brief exchange and him continuing with episodes and then I, I subscribed to so many people's different shows some of them they disappear off the radar and I don't even notice. And then randomly months later for something will, I'll be looking through an old email folder or something and I'll be like, I haven't heard, (laughs) I haven't heard from them in months. And then what do they do? They, they changed their RSS feed or something and gave no notice. And so they got cut off, which I've been guilty of doing myself. So I understand it's, it can happen. We don't, have always the best practices um but he him ghosting in a sense i noticed it quickly and i would for i would set myself reminders to keep checking to make sure it wasn't me make sure he wasn't somehow canceled or it wasn't an accident or something and i checked and checked and then eventually i said you know what maybe maybe he has just had it but he left the feed up and maybe he'll come back around. A lot of people do. 
I've had gaps of months before in my previous shows and uh I'd like to think that I gave some notice if there was a long break or there was an issue I was dealing with or something where it was me saying I need some time. Pretty sure I did something to that effect, but there was no warning from him, so I just figured he'd really had it. I, mean, I figured he must have he must have got so fed up that he didn't even care to say goodbye for now to his all of his fans, which I think is one of the one of the worst crimes against humanity that can be committed is if you just leave people hanging like that. Like, come on, Harry, baby, don't stiff from. Uh, Pump up the volume, you know. Maybe that sticks with me, remembering the the passion that the fans of that pirate radio show in that film, which was so high risk, it should make anyone who has the freedom to do a show now feel spoiled. And in the, in the name of pump up the volume, and in the name of yeah, the people who really suffered, the people who still suffer this day all around the world in authoritarian regimes. We have, if you have the freedom and the the the, the right, not the privilege to express yourself in this way, by all means do it and know that if you build that audience and then you leave them hanging, you could really, you could be saving lives while you're doing it and then, I don't want to say ending lives, but you could be really, really disrupting lives if you if you leave them hanging. So I'm again. I hope I'm practicing what what I preach at least with my previous shows. And it makes me think now that because I know how to program more than ever, I should create a, a dead man switch show and have a show saying. I don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened to me, but I'm not leaving you hanging. This is the Dead Man Switch show. And until further notice, huddle the feed and stay tuned in and hopefully something comes back and it's me and I'm alive. Um, but there are easy ways. Well, It takes some time to code it by hand, but now I know what it ta- I know what it would take to to automate that without relying on to basically write that code from scratch that lives on a server and isn't running off of a third-party app that itself could could need its own dead man switch moment, but. With that said, what I what I what this intensifies for me is the topic that I have been thinking about, and again because I want to address that topic, and I don't want to make this a memorial show for that person. I just want to say that this is where this is the space I'm in, and life is short, and don't take things for granted. I'm gonna make the PSA for myself. 
this is something that uh, can never be said enough and it's um, yeah you never know people say all kinds of cliches live every day like it's your last I like the saying that uh, make every day a good day to die and it'll be a better even better day to live but it's yeah anything that whether it's a near miss car accident situation or dodging a bullet or whatever it is someone you know dies so that's what happened I guess I'm a little bit disordered right now but I was just about an hour ago or so having my little sunset ceremony and said and uh, I can't remember what led up to it but then I thought what happened to that person and I just said you need to type that in now it's been a long time over six months since that that unclimactic end of just a show with no explanation whatsoever of why there was no follow-up and me just thinking well I, I guess I can I can understand why someone would be so fed up that they would just drop the mic and walk away and say I've done enough and not explain themselves and we don't really have mechanisms for people to step in and say if you're doing a solo show you don't necessarily have a team that's going to announce and carry on or announce and not carry on but at least announce so when I did that search I found the the other people who were also friends and well other people who were fans and people who were more more um, closely associated doing the RIP messages and the passed away stories and so I just spent some time listening to some narratives of people closer to him talking about the circumstances and apparently it was not suicide and not anything involving foul play but some sort of accident which I don't want to even say well a peaceful accident is what it sounds like I don't even want to say there's not too many of those that can be had and so probably you could imagine what what that might mean but I'm I'm going to I'm going to not say what that is and I'm going to address my feelings about the hazards that we are embedded in uh, unconsciously in civilization that uh, if it's true that what was mentioned was the cause of his death then it would be the most tragic irony I've ever heard of in my life and and uh, I had just thought to myself the other day, reckoning internally with myself, am I crazy putting myself out here in the sun, in the desert, tempting fate if I die out here and I could have been safe 
in the city with an AC on and I was pushing the limits of the heat waves and living out in the desert with like a bushman with white skin getting burnt every day, skin peeling off alone. And then I said to myself, well, isn't there a cliche that goes something like, I'd rather be eaten by a bear than be hit by a bus? And this is the kind of person where he would have given that bear a run for its money. He was a million times more skilled with tools and outdoorsmanship and security and tactics. And he would be my one of my most ideal teammates for anything in life and uh, someone who I look up to and who I, by comparison, pale in, in almost every dimension that I aspire to be, e almost every dimension. There are a couple of dimensions where I would say maybe he would want to pick my brain, but we never had that opportunity, so I just die or he dies and I live on and I will eventually die only having ever looked up to him aspiring to achieve a fraction of what he's achieved on so many levels. But yeah, the story, I don't, I'm not trying to, yeah, to me it's not my nature to get really obsessed with that kind of forensic stuff and you know let it be let it be as simple as he passed away and it's and, and those who cared about him could know he passed peacefully but again small cliffhanger statement I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go off about my feelings about not just the vague sense I have of those circumstances, but a lot of circumstances that that we we find ourselves embedded in and, and trapped in, and that we get maimed and die in in the in the technologies within civilization that we take for granted that are basically always poised to kill us, and it's a miracle that contractors following building codes. That's really the only thing keeping us from eminent, complete horror at all times, given all of the toxins that we build our, our, our dwellings with and that we fill our airs with, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just going to leave it there and say that uh, I'm going to continue and carry on but my mindset is shifted as of today I don't know how how and in what ways this will affect me over time it definitely is that red to Andy Dufresne 
in Shawshank Redemption, or Andy Dufresne to Red, rather. Get busy living or get busy dying. And that look on his face. You listen to the director's commentary about the hell that they went through filming there in the heat and all of the complexity of how they had to shoot all these different scenes and all the effort and all the logistics and money and everything that went into the production. And he had a sentiment about some of those very subtle scenes where it was just the actors in the most still and isolated moments and that the heart of the film were just a few of those moments and maybe paraphrasing a bit but I really appreciated that he gave commentary on that because to me that was the most moving moment and the look on his face is probably the most haunting even of all the horrific moments in that film and so many other films the way that the way that um, his face, Anthony or Andy Dufresne in that, the character in that film, Tim Robbins, the way he said it, the way he moved, the look on his face. The being disgruntled and fed up with injustice and being motivated to act and to break free and to face adversity. He nailed that and it came from a deep place. I don't know what he was thinking about internally, if it was some kind of method acting or what it was, but there was one time I was... uh, (laughs) that I was auditioning for the only film, feature-length film that I was, that I've ever been in. And I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. I'm I'm mortified and hoping that that it it never does see the light of day at this point because I was a different person and it was a different context. Um, But I got to learn a lot and it was, yeah, it was was interesting and, and fun and quite an experience. And on the the first day of being of auditioning for this very low budget independent film, the filmmaker scheduled time for me where he wanted to see whether it was even possible for me to play the role at all. And just a basic qualification test. And I, I had no experience and no training. I just had life experience that was appropriate for the part, so he wanted to see if he could make, you know, a non-actor play a part because of the background that I had that the actor, the character needed. And he told me to, he gave me a scenario and he said, okay, now stand there in front of me, pretend it's a theatrical stage and do your best to to transmit your feelings and awareness about what's going on in the moment and the situation without a lot of words, but mainly through facial expressions. And um, I took the cue and I 
you know, I think I think if I would have done poorly, he just would have said try again or you think you could do better or here's what I mean, here's what I mean, let me show you because he really wanted he I mean, he would have been willing to train me if I wasn't able to do it. But I did it to the best of my ability and I think he understood that it was I was able to intuit that even without having stage theater training and I I you know think about sometimes those those theater actors they've got to project to an audience that's in a giant room and they're all far away and it's dark so they have to overact and be very histrionic and subtleties can be lost at at a, at a distance um but with film obviously you can a lot of it is close-ups on expressions and whatnot i'm not trying to get too lost in something some tangent but it matters because talking about sincerity and emotion and grieving and how I'm going to process and how I'm going to move forward knowing that I got to carry on not just thinking oh one of my one of my the most influential mentors of mine is probably just in a funk and he's 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 ghosting the world and telling us to talk to the hand without telling us to talk to the hand kind of thing but he'll come back around cuz he's done you know he kind of there was foreshadowing for this and then just to abruptly find out today no he's he he died and he died 6 months ago and already his his material is starting to deprecate off the internet and I didn't I didn't save as much of it as I should have when it was easier to do now it's going to be a chore to do it and then if, from that point what am I going to do Yeah, we communicate a lot through facial expressions and a lot of our body language doesn't lie. And so when I say, get busy living or get busy dying, and I know I'm face to face with the Grim Reaper every day for at least three months out of the year, other than that, I would say Grim Reaper and I have a little bit of distance but from but from mid June to mid September, I'm staring I'm staring the 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 Grim Reaper is staring me down 24/7, where I'm at doing what I'm doing, and I know that this mentor of mine, he put himself through a lot of that same crucible as an off grid, rugged individual. I said to somebody recently who was concerned about me, a line from uh, Patrick Swayze in uh, Point Break, it's not tragic to die doing what you love. I mean, he was not playing the most uh, ethical character in that film, but certainly haunting wisdom nonetheless. I would rather die out here of some heat illness because I would die free than dying in a cage in the city or dying because of some toxic chemical leak or because of some form of mechanical failure or negligence on my part or someone else's part 
doing inappropriate things with inappropriate at inappropriate inappropriate chemicals, inappropriate velocities, inappropriate combustibility, all kinds of things. I mean, today I just said I'm going to go on a I'm going to have a path of segregating batteries until they can be um, disposed of as properly as possible. But but the idea of not knowing where a bunch of old weird batteries are not a bunch, but I mean just the things that you that you accumulate, which is actually having an inventory system to consolidate them into more secure containers and to offset them and whatnot, and just realizing like, hey, I came all the way out here to not be exposed to artificial hazards and to only be exposed to biological and natural element, elemental hazards, natural forces. So I'll be goddamned if I die out here because some chemical I brought in does me in or some suboptimal arrangement of materials that I brought in surprise me the way that is happening more and more in terms of lithium lithium ion ion batteries luckily i have very few if any of those and they're all tiny but that doesn't mean that you can't be in for a big surprise so eventually i think about living a life where even anything with a battery in it is situated in a way where I interact with it in a very conscious and meticulous manner and it doesn't sleep near me I don't sleep near it I don't turn my back on it I go yeah it's tucked away inside of a fancy looking whatever but it's also a ticking you know what just because of the hubris of chemistry that goes into it so yeah I'm in touch with my mortality One, I think the most important mentor who whose redirections in my life got me free got me healthy solved and prevent solved a lot of existing health problems and prevented tons more that I'm just blessed not to be dealing with because they were precluded because of what I learned from him and a level of respect for what he had, um, the path, the journey of the life that he led. I mean, he took a lot of arrows so that we wouldn't have to if we pay attention and listen. So, and that, you know, that's true for a lot of people, and that's true for me in certain ways as well. But I'm still here, and but who knows for how long. So I'm from that place going to get into this topic. And it wasn't it wasn't a long topic anyway, so I don't mind that I took that time to arrive here to express where I'm at. Yeah, thinking about mortality and getting busy living or getting busy dying. Well, don't take that second part literally. 
because that could be taken the wrong way if you're in the wrong state of mind. I think you just need to watch that film to understand the context of what it means to say, I've had enough, enough is enough. In the context of that film, in that arc of that character, it was a matter of I would say the subtext is that the injustice of this world is so indomitable that trying to sacrifice yourself to save others is noble to a point, but at a certain point, you gotta, you, you gotta look out for number one and you just gotta survive. And uh, to that point also, I keep hearing again and again, <laughs> regularly in my mind the sentiment of Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Ben Richards in The Running Man which is an approximation of the present reality that's more on point than is, is, is more is more on point as far as the state of um, the even the year that was predicted as far as the 1980s dystopian sci-fi If I, if you ask me, what's the number one film, science fiction dystopia that predicted the time that we're in right now, I would say it would, it would be, it would, I would, it would be a fight to find something more fitting than than The Running Man, and. Um, I listen to those lines now and, and I, I, I realize how important it was that they were etched in my mind as I owned that film and watched it so many times when I was about 10 years old and it, that it set me up to be prepared psychologically for this time. And the subtext of the character arc in this moment I'm going to share was basically the the importance of a diverse team of warriors to fight back against the tyranny of the state and corporate dominance. And the society of the spectacle, if you know what I mean by that. But... Without telling the whole story of the movie, the the the, the sentiment is he says, "I'm I'm into politics, not or sorry, I'm into survival, not politics. I'm not into politics. I'm into survival, rather. I'm not into politics. I'm into survival. Nowadays, they're the same thing. That's what Yafet Koto said. Playing Laughlin, the school teacher. So it was a it was a a framed ex-military helicopter pilot who who refused orders to fire on innocent civilians and then was detained and framed for the massacre that ensued. And then after a prison break, I'll tell that story, a prison break that he co-organized with a hacker 
an ethical hacker, a revolutionary hacker of the people, and his comrade, Yafid Kodo Laughlin, the uh, Weiss was the hacker, was the hacker. Laughlin was the school teacher, and then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, the 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 big brawny badass ex-military and kind of individualist non he wasn't ideologically bought in to a party line and he wasn't but he was radicalized and he was disenchanted from the system so it was a really important perspective to land with me because he wasn't an ideologue he wasn't a card-carrying member of any party now his sentiment that is that resounds throughout the film is that he's going to get payback for the injustices that were exacted upon him and if the people benefit from it and he is the hero of the revolution then so be it but it's about it's about his his personal arc of vengeance and so he's not contaminating himself with rhetoric with political rhetoric, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I certainly have in my in my day. I've contaminated myself with a, a lot of rhetoric, and uh, it's just so interesting the dynamics that are the, the subtle nuances of the dynamics of like to me the subtext of that whole film being more so than just another version of 1984, which has been done a million times by a million different filmmakers and storytellers. That there was nuance in the sense that that you take somebody who's just cynical about the system and into survival, not into politics, he's into survival. But it's that sensibility that he has that makes him so fit to be a commander in a leadership role in a in a in in the revolutionary uprising, the battle. And um, you can apply that to anything, but I will say that, uh, yeah, (laughs) I hear that a lot in my head. This is a time for survival. You're probably wasting your time with a lot of the politics because at the end of the day, they're going to they're going to eat their own, the politicians, the ideologues, whether no matter what side they're on. And they're going to consume themselves and consume the world's resources. And at the end of each day, most likely be no closer to actual survival. So get busy. Get busy planting. Get busy composting. Get busy harvesting rainwater. Get busy getting off the grid and getting free. And I'm not going to get into the the mantras of, of that mentor who passed away explicitly, but I will say, yeah, I think he would. I think I think he would appreciate my where where I'm coming from personally in this because a lot of us yeah a lot of us who are saying i'm done with politics this is about survival i'm bugging out i'm done 
I'm going off grid. I'm going off road even. Maybe I'll have some way to communicate the way I do now. But maybe ultimately I will I will limit and decrease that. And maybe I will maybe I will die of an accident that's my own fault, my own making. But I will die wild and free at this point. Live wild or die. Is another is one sentiment. So yeah, this this topic is taking on many forms, but the actual title, and I'll bring it into focus now. All of the title that I thought of really is applicable to these topics, to this array of topics, all kind of gathered, joined the drum circle <laughs> of this of this master topic or this intended topic, and that topic is or the title that I that I thought of was uh, aiming for pain, the moving target of peak performance, and hopefully that's not already trademarked by somebody somewhere, but I'm not a sports medicine guy. I've been a very athletic person. Never got it to a professional level. But peak performance has almost always... There are very few, very small chapters of my life where I wasn't in a very peak performance, peak performance athletic state of fitness and applying myself to activities that were pushing me pushing my limits of physicality and of of the the uh, the will willpower and resolve and mindset to keep pushing that physicality and uh, not just in a vacuum of let's say, trying to be the best at some competitive sport but in the real world pressure of resistance of being in movements being applying my my martial artistry in the in the in the the eco wars and the drug wars and Where politics and where survival, like Laughlin said, <laughs> that being engaged on in street battles, being engaged on the front lines, politics, surviving the political, the, the 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 combat of politics, not just words, but real face-to-face asymmetric warfare on the streets with the state in the forest with the state varying degrees of brushes with death and injury
that's where my peak performance has excelled. And in other areas along the way, I mean, you, you don't, you're not fighting in the street every day, but the culture of resistance that I was cultivating with my, within the movements that I was in, we would, we were all bicyclists. We would all climb trees and hike and build things and be extreme musicians even and just had a lot of time sweating and hammering and training moving movement <laughs> not not so much gaming not so much keyboard warrioring but out there in the real world in real life on our feet in action and most of that was peak performance high alert high risk persecuted activities being enemies of the state but friends of the earth and lovers of each other and not a, not all of us made it out alive not all of us made it out without being crippled I'm lucky to have made it out alive made it out free made it out to where I'm no longer fighting those street battles but I am still to this day pushing for peak performance and aiming for pain without thinking that that's not my mantra I just thought of it because I try to come up with clever show titles because I like to mock and make fun of all the the academic book tradition of creating a, a ridiculous pun followed by a colon and a subtitle for a book you know the, all the academics they they got a publisher parish so they come up with a <laughs> totally absurdist initial phrase of one or two words or a few words and then they kind of explain the payload uh in a subtitle afterwards and so i, <laughs> I decided to to see if I'll ever earn my honorary doctorate by making these absurd show titles for fun. I hope you I hope you enjoy it and you you <laughs> you see the 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 uh, the humor in it. I don't take myself that that seriously, but but uh, but to me, yeah, it it is actually somewhat serious. Aiming for pain, the moving target of of peak performance because. I live in a lot of pain now and this site more than any other site that I've ever done permaculture on even mostly by myself because it's a lot of times I've been the tip of the spear of a project lead of permaculture where I'm like I'm going to make this happen and I'm not going to be dependent on anybody else meeting me halfway I'm going to do it because it needs to be done in my opinion and I'm not going to shame people or drag people in but I would attract volunteers and they would step up in ways that sometimes were, were, were um, a lot of effort by 
a few people or a little bit of effort by a lot of people. But the project arc has, for the most part, in most places, been a real, a beautiful uh, potluck of energy where I'm just astounded by what, by it, the fact that you do need at least one or one or two or a few project leads that are willing to spearhead it, but they got to do it with the right attitude and not project animosity on people who they try to expect more from, but just say, you know what? You got to take, take responsibility and lead by example and create something that people want to contribute to but it's mostly going to be on you to make it happen and just accept that from the beginning. I learned that and I've lived it and good things have happened since. So I'm used to doing things mostly by myself and having help come in. I remember one time I went to Quail Springs where Warren Brush had me and one of my my brothers in permaculture come out to the site and... Uh, we were there to kind of work trade a little bit and volunteer and participate in some uh, work trade kind of workshops for the weekend, rebuilding, replanting a food forest after a storm. And uh, got to learn a lot of things. That's the whole point. Hands-on experience and trade for your, your efforts involved in the project. And uh, I remember to this day so distinctly how Warren Brush went out of his way more times than I could count to look us in the eye and thank us profusely for showing up to help. And of course, you know, he only... We wouldn't have noticed if he never even said thank you once because we know he's the man. He's busy. He's handling all kinds of things. We would be happy just to have him wave at us from a distance. But he came up to us multiple times while we were digging in the sun and, you know, rolling up our sleeves and, and helping out. He just said again and again, Thank you so much. I know what it feels like to really value when people come and step up and help you with something. And he's a teacher of a lot of good habits. Taught me how to start a meal with people sharing a circle of sentiments of gratitude for things that happened that day as a tradition. That's just a little branch coming off of this sense of what it's like to be that tip of your own spear doing permaculture or even more broadly just rugged, off-grid homesteading without a lot of help where, you know, shoestring budget or 
trying to just be frugal and not burn out a nest egg or whatever it is, you can't just, you're not just going to go and hire a bunch of people to help you do it or pay a contractor to do it. You're going to do it yourself. You're going to put mileage on your back. You're going to start to, as you age, things are going to start just blowing out. And like to this moment, I can hear the exact words that my dearly departed mentor said, who was 10 years ahead of me, for me to hear him talk about what it was like for him to do what what it was like for him to do what I'm doing now, break free, go off grid in your 40s and start to experience your body falling apart because of all of the bad foods you ate and all the stress and all of the ignorance and negligence that you had about this biological machine that you didn't know how to maintain because you, you were never really trained to and you never really lived in a holistic society that it was just by nature that you were healthy and that you could work hard into old age and and not suffer. <laughs> no, he knew a lot about pain. He knew a lot about peak performance and persistence and perseverance and building freedom for yourself even if you have to do it through agonizing pain and then it becomes in my words it's this art form of how far do you push it because there's no one around to impress I'm not pushing myself so that other people can clap for me or fall in love with me certainly I've done dumb things like that in the past bloodied myself and injured myself to try to get attention hoping that the somebody would see me and think I was I was a tough guy <laughs> we do a lot of that kind of stuff us dudes but no out here nope no one to impress just the mission at hand, survive, make each day more ecologically secure than the day before on this site for me to inhabit it. As I get weaker and older and more disabled because of the pain that's that I that I'm the, the, the debt that I have to pay in pain for the poor life decisions that I made up to this point. Luckily, I don't think I have a lot of that relative to some people, relative to a lot of people, because of my body mass index and the fact that I got into being a health nut in my 20s. But even then, <laughs> it can betray you because you might have been the wrong kind of health nut and you could have been actually doing more harm than good. You might have done better just eating fast food the whole time because it's what some of these extremist health nut diets can do to you if you sign up to the wrong program. But again, thanks to people like the mentor who, I'm, who I've been referencing, I, 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 uh, I shed and eliminated 
in different chapters at different times, ultimately most of all the offending, pretty much almost all of the offending macronutrients and, well, the way to put it is that, uh, yeah, I'm getting closer and closer to 100% homegrown, totally organic, non-toxic, perennial, non-cereal grain, non-unfermented dairy, ancestral diet. But it's like, oh, okay, if I get there when I'm 50, <laughs> good. <laughs> and and the, the, the corners that I had to cut to, to eat what I had to eat to even get to the point where I could for one day before I keel over and die, possibly have that experience, what does that say about where we're at? So, yeah, breaking free peak performance building off-grid, off-road homestead alone with a body that's already built out of garbage and trying to remineralize it and rehydrate it and keep its pH right and keep the elements in the extreme wild conditions of the desert from just grinding me into dust, even if I was healthy as an ox, even if I hadn't put mileage on my back doing all kinds of taken for granted but very ergonomically incorrect and inappropriate tasks for other clients where I'm moving giant pieces of flagstone and boulders and chunks of concrete all these things, these back-breaking, toe-crushing <laughs> objects that should never be moved by human beings. At a certain point, I said, if I could ever afford to be free, I never want to touch anything. I never want to own anything that I can't lift myself, and I never want to move anything that I own that could possibly injure my back. And now, and that used to mean, well, anything maybe over 25 pounds. Now it's a feather, you know? If I twist the wrong way, picking up a feather, I'll be on the floor. And that's because of all that cumulative damage done working for the man in the city, being a a sharecropper or a landless peasant, but basically being in the working class to where my back is is a commodity that can be exchanged and replaced by anyone else competing in the market for labor. That was the definition of capitalism that I learned in college was capitalism. I'm also in the, in the middle of a capitalism course from Yale Open Courseware. And uh, it's a monster that's, that, 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 that's worth digging into the academics of to understand. And... Uh, Communism is not the only alternative because we lived on earth for a long time before capitalism. So how about instead of looking to a contemporary reaction to capitalism, we look at what what worked before it. And it's not 
simply primitive communism. <laughs> that would be an appropriation, ancestral appropriation by Karl Marx to call ancestral lifeways primitive communism. Everyone wants to fit things into their own ideological box. But I know what it's like to be fucking destroyed and reduced into crippling, agonizing pain by being in the working class and barely escaping by age 40 and being at a point where the pain that I live with now and the pains that compound and get revealed as I age the way that my mentor warned me about you get to a certain age and things are going to start falling apart. I told people for a while, I'm not Gumby anymore. I got to rest. I can't let myself get hangovers. I got to drink water. I got to minim be minimalistic with a lot of things and moderate things. Can't be a party animal. And I can't. I can't work and aim for pain in peak performance without knowing my limits as I age. So when I say aiming for pain in this moving target of peak performance, the real humor in that, this, the, the, the dark humor in that is that <laughs> the moving target that is aiming for pain is that the older you get and the harder you worked over your lifespan, that pain threshold maybe yeah i mean yeah you can tolerate however much you can tolerate but the fact is you won't be working as many hours doing as much crazy shit that you've done before before that pain that you're aiming for where you know you've you're brushing up against that pain threshold that tolerance threshold where it's pretty sad and demoralizing how how little it takes to hit that target of pain and how fast you hit that target of pain. And out here by myself doing this, I didn't know pain like that existed. And I'm not saying that to be, um, to be a martyr of my own ruggedness, but that's the thing. If you're into if you're not into politics, you're into survival, you're aiming for pain. Because politics is how do you shuffle the cards around of society in order to have people work for you and serve you and provide you, render you benefits. In a certain way, I think definitely in a healthy society, as you age and become an elder, then it makes sense for the the younger folk to bear the brunt of activities that their backs are better suited to to do doesn't mean that you need to get lazy or out of shape you just might reasonably you know redelegate tasks that makes sense to me but what doesn't make sense to me is the politics of the ruling class becoming um decadent while all the slaves get ground to a pulp I mean I worked in landscaping doing permaculture with dudes that were almost twice as old as me as tw almost twice as old as me in my mid 30s 
and they worked me under the table and I could not believe how much pain I was enduring, how much kit I was wearing, knee pads, sunshade, sunshade hat, gloves, tool belt, fatigues. I mean, get it up like I was on a mission and they would be out there almost double my age, no shade hat, no sunglasses, no gloves, no sturdy boots, no knee pads, doing, working harder than me and faster than me. And all they wanted was a beer at the end of the day. And I was like, damn, so I'm not even that, I'm not, I'm not even as hardcore as them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pathetic compared to some of those folks that I've worked with. But I also want to pace myself and I'm trying to hold on to what I got. And I'm glad I wasn't working like that because you know what, maybe that dude, maybe he had a, a nice wife who was going to massage him, give him a bath, feed him really well. And that's why he was able to keep up. That's why he was able to do that. For me, nah, just me. So I'm trying to pace myself a little bit, but things are certainly, like I was warned, not so fast. And it used to take a lot to feel as beat up as I feel on a daily basis and then in the summer you feel beat up all over 24-7 even if you don't lift a finger to work the land so I just thought it was an interesting idea that peak performance yeah yeah in, in a sense if you're a football player or a kickboxer yeah, you you were uh, you're not gonna be getting any faster as you get as you start getting into your forties. You know, you're not gonna be getting any faster. And if you were to compete against someone in their prime twenties and thirties, they're probably gonna destroy you. So there is that one and only peak that is your prime in your 20s and 30s about physicality. But like any chart, you zoom in close enough and it's a jagged, it's jagged up to the, up to that peak and it's jagged on, on the way down. So there's more than one, there's, there's one ultimate highest peak but there are countless peaks on the way up and on the way down after, before and after. So for, for me, yeah, whatever it is, pain here, pain there, pain in the neck, pain in the back, sore muscles, work hard to push through a project, have to stop for a day or two, do something light, do something using the other half of the body, whether it's the left or right half or the upper or lower half, like one half just gets knocked out. <laughs> and uh, 
so be it. That's the way. That's the way of it. Get busy, get busy living, or get busy dying. But if you're gonna die, die with your boots on, kind of thing, you know. I'm willing to adapt to the peak, not being as high as it once was, where I would do crazy shit on a job site that I would never do now. Not even to impress people, but just because I wanted to get out and get to the party that night. And if we didn't get the job done, I mean, the sooner we got the job done, the sooner I could get in traffic and go to that party. So I might sit there and smash concrete with the sledgehammer 10 times faster or with a jackhammer 10 times faster than I would have if it was Monday morning, you <laughs> know, stuff like that. But none of that. Now, I'm very sensitive, but I'm still going to push to the peak. And now I would say I have what looks like a resting kill face because everything, everything uh, tends to find a way to, to hurt. And I'm not going to project that. I'm going to not kill anything other than my inner weaknesses but also invoke the uh, the tradition of the Indian Kalari Payatu martial arts warriors sometimes considered by by anthropologists of martial arts to be the, the grandmother system that that led to branching out into all of the East Asian styles of martial arts that we all that have been made world famous and we very seldom, if ever, hear about Kalari Payatu. But those warriors, ancient warriors, to this day, build very, very um, holistic and medically, the sports medicine of those warriors is was very astute. And... Uh, they would integrate massage with training and whatnot. So yeah, I think I think there's a there's wisdom to be to be explored as far as if you're gonna have peak performance as a warrior, as a builder, as a a warrior in a garden better than a gardener in a war, you're gonna wanna learn things about how to be ergonomic, how to use herbs and tinctures and grow the right food if you're going to put all that effort into growing it, for Christ's sake, you know? God forbid you break yourself farming and you grew nothing but food that degraded your own body the whole way along, all along the way. Ain't going out like that. It's not as bad as getting hit by a bus not as good as getting eaten by a bear. But if I'm gonna suffer, it's gonna be because I broke myself digging ponds, growing healthy, organic, biodiverse permaculture ecosystems, mostly by myself and sometimes with some help. But I'll die proud and I will die at least in most ways healthy relatively speaking, if not riddled with ecological sports injuries, if you will.
So with that said, not health advice. Consult your ecologist, your physician, etc. But in the spirit of my, may he rest in peace, the spirit of my most cherished mentor, and the spirit of the sentiments that I shared and coming from a place where, yeah, I'm experiencing the pain of holding this microphone up for too long. So in the spirit of not taking myself too seriously, but get busy planting, period. Cheers. Cheers.